Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. Last week, I was not able to be here with you all, but I did listen to the conversation, and I kind of wish I was here. It was a good conversation, I thought. Even in the midst of the storm. That storm was, does anyone remember that storm last year? Yeah, I was in the middle of it. I drove home. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought I was going to die yeah, on the way. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. <laughs> and I was in a house, and like the roof was like shaking. I thought wow. there was a tornado. Just out of curiosity, how many of you lost power last Wednesday? I lost, I got home and I was watching TV and then before 9.30 and then the, then everything went blank. So I said, no, I usually go to sleep a little yeah. later, but so good night. And then the TV comes on four yeah. hours later and hit the blue lights. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It was pretty crazy last night. But I'm glad everyone survived and made it to another Wednesday. Are you talking about last night? Last Wednesday. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so Genesis 22, you guys went through verses 1 through 8 last time. I figured since it's kind of a continuation of the story after that, we should probably just read the first eight verses first. So I'll read chap- verses 1 through 8 of chapter 22. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and, I, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the word of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went on went both of them together so here's abraham who's been following god throughout this um these last few chapters few weeks and he god calls him and says here i am and abraham obeys and it's a pretty crazy command to go and sacrifice your son and you guys talked about that last week um but just in context of what's going to go on in the rest of the chapter is it's not an easy command to obey. It's not a command that you know the outcome of anything. Uh, you may have faith in it, but you don't know with um, a fact-based evidence of this is what's going to happen. It, it takes faith. Um, so Abraham in verse 8, it just said that he God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So Abraham had faith. Even though nothing has happened yet, he knew that God would do this thing. He would provide for him. But it doesn't say necessarily how he would provide. And notice that he just said God will provide for himself. It didn't say God will provide in this way, in this way, and that's how he does it. And a lot of times we put God in a box and say, well, he's going to do it this way. But God is creative. He's more creative than us humans. Um, and he can do things in his perfect plan. But we do know the, the fact of God's character that he does provide, that he does um, fulfill his word. Um, and Isaac was the son of... Abraham is only real son with uh, Sarah. So, and previously, and just important as a context, that God promised Abraham 
a multitude of generations that would number as the stars. And God's saying, sacrifice your only son. So that makes the promise or the command even harder. He's like, God, you commanded me to do this when you're promising me something through this guy. So how does this work? Um, so once again, he wasn't, he, he believed in the promise. He didn't know what was the outcome, but he knew God would do something. So verse 9, it, it uh, goes on. It says, when they came into the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, what was an altar used for? What is an altar? Sacrifice. Just to sacrifice to sacrifice? Yeah. <laughs> really a sense of worship, right? Yes. So worshiping God. Um, it wasn't just killing something to kill something right. or to make something look nice. Yeah, it was to worship God. In verse uh, 5, it talks about how they, he said to everyone, I'm going to go and worship. Um, so the sacrifice of Isaac was really doing, Abraham was going in a, in a, in a heart of worship, of worshiping a God. And to me, it's kind of crazy. He was worshiping a God who was telling him to sacrifice his son. But God, but Abraham knew that God in his character would do something. Whether it would be he would raise him from the dead or provide something else. He didn't know, I'm sure, but he knew there would be something. Um, so he prepared the altar, and then um, he, put on, he bound Isaac, his son. Um, so, and uh, in the beginning, it talks about how Abraham said, here I am, and how he listened to God's voice. And time and time again, he got called Abraham out of his home. He, got, he called Abraham time and time again to obedience, and Abraham kept going. Um, but this, I would imagine, so far is the hardest commandment. Would you agree that God has given Abraham? Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, I can't imagine being in his place. But he still obeyed. Um, Matthew 5.37, it talks about how, like, yes, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it's in the concept of, like, oaths and stuff. But I think it's important also in obedience. We can say, yeah, God, I trust you. And in verse 1, it talks about how Abraham said, here I am. Like, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to obey. But even when the times get tough, even when the commands are probably nearly impossible to obey, in our own strength, he still said, here I am, and he also acted out on it. So he, he took the obedience and said, God, I will, I'll obey you, but he followed through. And a lot of times, um, I mean, I do, I do it where it's like, all right, God, I'll do anything. But then he commands me to do something like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Have you guys ever had that situation where you're like, I'll do anything, and then you come up, something comes up, and anyone have that agree? Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Because um, it's great to talk about obedience. It's, it's important, and we should talk about that, but it's important to follow through in our obedience as well. And I think Abraham exemplified that to the T by going to the point where he bound his son Isaac on top of the wood. All right, it's verse 10. It says, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. So the angel of the Lord, who do you think the angel of the Lord is? Is that a Sunday school answer? <laughs> 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 I don't know, if you wanted to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was an actual angel from heaven. You mm -hmm. know? I mean, that's what I think it is. Okay. So an angel like, so like a Literal messenger? angel from okay. heaven, yeah. Cool. What do you think? Oftentimes when it says the angel, um, it can refer to a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. 
Okay. Um, now, I know King James says the angel. Um, International Standard says an angel, so I don't know which one's right. But whoever it is, it's either Jesus or yeah. God telling someone, hey, stop. <laughs> That's the, the important thing is that he stopped. Yeah, and, and either way, it's a message yeah. from God, whether through a messenger or from God. I would probably say in this context, most likely it was God himself, Jesus incarnate. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Yeah, but I'm not saying if you disagree, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, not going to fight. But, yeah. um, and one of the reasons is uh, if we go on what he says. So Abraham, he calls Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am. Verse 12, it says, the angel of the Lord says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And and I think the from me aspect points to the angel. He didn't yeah, withhold the son from angel. He withhold the son from God. Um, so in this context, most likely God himself. And, and that's huge. Just like we read this story all the time, but just think about God himself coming to you incarnate, like to, to speak to you and to intervene in a... <laughs> In a, in a very hard situation. Um, and I think that's really cool. But So he says, uh, the angel says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. So basically, stop what you're doing. Don't stab the boy in mid-swing. So it must have, I don't know how close he was to the skin, but it must have been pretty close if he took the knife and everything. Um, and then it says, for now, that now I know that you fear God, seeing you that have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So it's talking about this whole test that, that Abraham is going through from God to, to reveal his faith, to, to test his faith where it's at. And obviously it seems like he passed the test, right? Um, but it says, because I, for I know that you fear God. What, what does it mean to fear God? And how did Abraham exemplify it? Because he was going to sacrifice the most precious thing to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the fear of God. But he didn't want to disobey him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fear of disobedience, but also like fear of he is sovereign. Of, he is above all things. Yeah. What else do you guys think? Any other additions? Um, it's just it's just respect. You know, it's like a like a serious tone of reverence towards the Lord. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just speaking from my own experience from Teen Challenge and all the years of stuff that I learned. But um, And I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just yeah. saying it's just just like general reverence, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God's not just the person sitting next yeah, it's, to it's us not, or buddy. Like, it's not like at least they taught me you're not supposed to be like scared of the Lord. You know, you're not mm-hmm. like actually afraid. It's just a respect. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Last week there was some discussion we had about Isaac's age and mm-hmm. um, the um, going back to chapter 21 and 34 it says and Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time mm-hmm. not knowing how long that was um, I, when I read this I have always looked at Isaac as a boy mm-hmm. boy being fairly young because um, not just a reference here, but I, I thought about why there's no mention, whether it's relevant or not, the son didn't rebel or mm-hmm. fight or try to struggle. When Abraham's faith was being tested, but certainly the boy's faith had some faith, 
And I would I would think realistically that um, once the boy realized that he was a sacrifice, that he would try to fight off his father. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I look at the word bound, so he bound his son. Mm -hmm. So I know it doesn't mention it in here about any resistance to his father's mm -hmm. wishes, but certainly I would have thought humanly he wouldn't want to be sacrificed. Yeah. And, and it's sort of a metaphor, right? He's not resisting his father, and Abraham is not resisting God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and he was, most people think, like 20 or 30, so he was definitely physically capable to overpower yeah. his father. And Abraham was quite old, old at this point yeah. as well. So I would imagine, think of a 20-year-old and a 90-year-old or a 100-year-old, they probably went out on the physical side. So, And mm -hmm. I think back in uh, verse uh, 7, he started to get suspicious, Isaac. Like, right. what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Things were revealed to Abraham, which weren't revealed to Isaac. Yeah. And it was almost like a shock when mm -hmm. Isaac realized that he was the sacrifice. So, you know, I, that, and that's why I thought he probably was younger in age mm -hmm. as opposed to being in his 20s or 30s. Yeah. Because I, I would have thought that he would have tried to prevent that. Yeah. In and, some way. And I think that definitely it applies that Isaiah, I, Isaiah Isaac had just as much faith. Like, he, I, I believe that he would willingly, maybe, he, I don't know what he was thinking in his head, but that he would, like, follow his father. And, and maybe Abraham had some super strength and bound him, but I don't know. Age-wise, it doesn't seem realistic it in that since way. it doesn't mention it, it doesn't, I guess it's not relevant. Yeah, but I think, I think we can say that Isaac definitely had faith or had some belief, and he trusted, because Abraham's reasoning of, Where's the lamb? He said, God will provide a sacrifice. And then Isaac was about to be the sacrifice. So I was like, what the heck, <laughs> um, But I, I, he had to have some, have some measure of faith. We don't know, so it's kind of reading into it. Did you have something to say? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's interesting that, and I hear this with Greg, um, if you look at the, the rabbinical teaching on this story, mm -hmm it shifted from a focus on Abraham's faith to Isaac's faith mm -hmm. about the time of Christ. So they were always talking about how, oh, look at the great faith of Abraham that he would sacrifice his only son. And it turned, and it started looking at, and that, and that, that somehow because he's a patriarch, he did this great thing of faith, and that's like passed on. Mm -hmm. It's like you're, you live on his coattails because he did this great thing, and he gets kudos, and he passes on. But then they started... And again, this is this is Jewish people, rabbis saying, "Oh no, I think we need to look at this in, in the terms of Isaac giving up his life as a sacrifice mm -hmm. at about the time Christ came on the scene." So either plus or minus AD 100, the rabbis started changing their thinking about the time the son actually did come down and gave his life as a sacrifice. Now they don't know what if, if it was after that. They don't know if it was influenced by Christian thinking that now, oh, now it's Isaac is the focus of the story, not Abraham, mm -hmm. even though Hebrews says, Hebrews is all focused on Abraham's faith. Mm -hmm. So, just an interesting thing yeah. that, that kind of why did their culture start looking at the story differently? I'm sure influence of another story. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Another thing that stands out to me is as Rich was saying, you know, why would a, a grown man not 
argue, fight, or whatever. And the verse that just come, keeps coming to mind is, as a lamb before its shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And, and so Isaac is clearly a Christ figure mm-hmm. in this story. Um, so, anyway, just what's in my head. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and it, it, there's many different um, correlations with that. We'll he carried that. his own... Yeah. Wood. Cross, wood. if you will, wood <laughs> up the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, another day. thing, another thing, in that would be like, okay, so why did God tell Abraham to kill his son, and then the angel of the Lord said, "Don't kill your son." So there've been some commentators, and you know, this is this is this gets off into the Bible has hidden stories, mm-hmm. because when God said in verse one, that's Elohim, mm-hmm. and when the angel of the Lord, that's Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So some people say, well, it's too, it's, it's, you know, it's pitting these two forces in the Bible against each other. If you don't say Elohim is God, <coughs> supreme God, it could be, you know, some bad force telling Abraham to go do this. And then God sort of intervenes because they don't want to, the Jewish, again, this is more of a Jewish looking at it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to aspire or put anything on God like he's telling somebody to do something wrong. So you've got to say that somebody else told Abraham to do something wrong. And then God jumps in, in the second part and stops him. Mm-hmm. Well, what's in, what's interesting though is, in my mind, I think the verse the verse twelve lends to it being um, Christ, in the sense that um, it says the angel of the Lord, and then he said, "Lay not thine hand on, the, and uh, neither do for for now I know that thou fearest God." Right. Right. But then he switches. Um, seeing thou hast not withheld thine only son from me. Okay. Right. right. So he kind of switches, you know, he refers to God in almost like third person, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. And then refers to himself. Yeah. Um, which would make sense in my mind if he were one of the triune <laughs> um, sort of thing. I don't know. But anyway. So, Mark, what do you think the significance of? Elohim and Yahweh is. Um, well, one is one is like Creator God, and one is Covenant God, right? So that's God revealed Himself as Yahweh to. Well, it actually didn't happen until Moses. Moses, but yeah. But I mean, what do you think the significance of a different word being used at different points in this? I was just throwing it up because sometimes you'll see people argue, "Oh, God, God would never ask somebody to kill their kid. That's crazy." It really wasn't God speaking. It was some other player, if you will, in the in the Old Testament. Okay. Because Elohim, and I, I think we mentioned this way back in the beginning, the word Elohim doesn't it doesn't only mean God. It means heavenly mm-hmm. heavenly being or council of heavenly beings or whatever. We hear about the heavenly heavenly council. So that word is actually used. I mean, we, we always associate it with that means God, but it actually means Us created him it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the significance to us is. I believe Christians probably isn't as much as it would be for somebody that's trying to sure to, to say God doesn't God would never ask you to do something that He really doesn't want you to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Okay. God had a plan. And we'll see that in the next. And it says it with a test, so you really can't Mm -hmm. argue. Yeah. It said God tested Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
It didn't say Satan tested him. Right? It was like God yeah. tested him. <laughs> and it didn't right. say like right. God commanded him to do that. It says he tested him right. do this. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So verse uh, so verse twelve, he, he talked about how like seeing that you fear God. So Abraham fears God. He he sees that he's above all. He's above even his only child. That um, is really his greatest treasure on earth, um, like an earthly treasure. Um, it says that seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. So then verse thirteen it says Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold. Behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So so Abraham before um, knew that God would provide a sacrifice. And this was the fulfillment of that faith, of that um, knowledge that Abraham had, that knew that God would have it. So he replaced a ram. What is the significance of a ram? Well, that's what I was going to say, because he, he says God will provide himself a lamb, but he gives a ram. Okay. Instead. What is a right? ram? I looked it up. Because I didn't know. I looked yeah. it up. Do you want to know? Well, it's a male sheep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. A, a ram is an adult male sheep. Okay. Oh, I thought a lamb know. is a baby oh, sheep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That I Could a lamb be either sheep? Sheep? Yeah, It was a simple, simple question. Okay. I'm so sorry, what? I don't know. Yes, it's a gender issue. So a lamb could be either sex, but a ram doesn't. That's the whole point. Maybe because of a zero ram, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A you, did she say that? That's a grown-up. Okay, I yeah. can't really hear. Yeah. That's a female, yeah. 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 So that's significant. Ah, ram, you. Ram Remember that movie? <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What, are, what, were, what were sheep used for normally? Like for it in sacrifice, what was it used? in sacrifice or in like daily life? Because I mean, they they fed, they had they provided food, mm-hmm. but, but as sacrifice, so a sacrifice of a sheep, what did that nice mean? Nice MLT. Well, that was Le- lettuce and tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were um, they the took the sins on of the person, mm-hmm. and that was a burnt offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was an offering of repentance, yes. of, of to pay payment of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of ram. The sins of, a, of, of us, like my sins, would be transferred to that sheep, mm-hmm. and that sheep would be sacrificed. Correct. So it was a substitutionary <laughs> yes. offering. Yes, substitutionary. Yeah. Um, so it says Abraham went and took the ram and bought, offered it So what's it the significance of the ram then? Right. So is a lamb and a ram offering different? Yes. The yes. ram offering is sin that is not necessarily known. It's just right. the yeah. like overall sin. Okay. It covers non, covers non um yeah, specific non specific and unknown sin. unintentional sin yeah unintentional sin like unknown like so that's everything everything it's yeah. the umbrella and a ram is yes. a lamb is usually for specifics correct yeah, you mess bit. up you rob a yeah. bank you got that's what they brought regularly like here my <laughs> sins are now transferred correct um, the yes the priest yeah. would say okay get to go he'd check it out we burn it and you're good and then mm-hmm. you come back and, and do the it again the ram might be something like the, the ram uh, is Yom like, Kippur yes. Day of Atonement yeah. overall it's the big one everything yeah. it's the big one and right. it talks about that in Leviticus 5 so that's 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 very significant yeah how is it significant oh, go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the lamb the ram was offered so it wasn't just the lamb it wasn't just the normal sins it was all sins once and for all that it would 
every year in the Day of Atonement that would cover the sins. Not like one specific sin or a certain amount of sins, but all sins combined. And and we can, we can I, I think it's a perfect analogy, and I think we all know that this is a perfect analogy of God and Christ mm-hmm. on the cross. So in all this story, rather than me like going through a list and things like that, what are some parallels, I'll let you guys share, of this whole story with Jesus? There's like 40 or 50 of them. So oh, boy. Just oh, so we'll be here. Fire storm. Fire storm. <laughs> we storm. There's no storm, so we can make up for last week. <laughs> no, but third day. Third day. Hmm. So what's the what is the third day about Jesus? Jesus rose on the third yep. day. Yeah. Had to test That was an easy one. <laughs> I don't know if this is in your list, but what I like about this is that Abraham has an expectation, yes, God's going to provide. Mm-hmm. We always think, yes, God will provide, and then he provides above and beyond mm-hmm. what we have an expectation of, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we did here. Absolutely. The father sacrificing his son. Mm-hmm. On a certain hill. What certain hill? Moriah. Moriah. Same hill as Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Maybe mm-hmm. Probably not the same like, location, but on the same hill, yeah. Isaac carried what he was bound to, the same way Jesus carried the cross. Yep. I gave you that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's resourceful. That's right. Hey, he had to remember that 10 minutes ago. That's right. <laughs> what else? Does it say... I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I didn't, I don't Wouldn't want to it be convenient if Isaac was actually around 33 years old? It sure would. Yeah. He could have been. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, though? What were you going to say? No, I just, um, I, don't, I don't remember, actually. You said willingness. Yeah, just the willingness. <laughs> like, the, you know, there's no, you know, I, I love how a- God says to Abraham, where are you? Here I am. Abraham, you know, his son says to him, where are you? Here I am. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. like, uh, nobody's going, this is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing this? And, you know, like what we would do. Everybody's like, okay, we're just, mm-hmm. you know, one... One's following the Lord, the other's following his father, and I'm, it speaks to the character to me of Abraham if his son is willing to just obey, right, mm-hmm. like we're called to obey, and just be cooperative, and he's not fighting him, and mm-hmm. the trust there that, you know, he's got trust in Abraham, Abraham has trust in his father, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, definitely Isaac's willingness, and, and Abraham's willingness, but yeah. even more so Isaac, um, because in the same way Jesus was willing, I mean, obviously we know the garden and how he like prayed and like was yeah. like God, if there's any other way, may this pass for me. And I would imagine Isaac was thinking a similar thing, like, does this have to be the way, or can we actually just bring a lamb, like you said in verse seven? Um, but he was still willing, even though it was hard to. He was obedient. Yeah, he, it was obedience. He trusted God and he trusted his father ultimately. So. With the uh, ram being a male mm-hmm. sheep, adult, yeah. equate to Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Lord provided a ram for the sacrifice, so God provided Jesus as mm-hmm. a sacrifice, an adult male, and mm-hmm. he said Leviticus um, 5, 5 through 16. And by providing the Jesus for the ram as a uh, sacrifice for unintentional sin mm-hmm. or unknown sin, well, Jesus was provided for our unintentional sin also. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is the Catholics would say original <clears throat> sin. Yeah. And then all, all other sin. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. I think it's a, a direct picture of, of Jesus, and, and it, it was once and for all. And that's why Jesus says to tell us that it is finished, because mm-hmm. there's no sin that is hidden from, or, or not, or too bad for God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's sacrifice. Like, it's covers it all and it's interesting it's a male it's an adult it's there's a lot of connections with that absolutely and yeah so abraham figuratively received isaac back from the dead Mm -hmm. he was figuratively resurrected Mm -hmm. jesus christ was actually resurrected from the dead Mm -hmm. and he went back to the father yeah absolutely huge And there's like some little things, even. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. Um, I just see the donkey. Both yeah. Riding on a donkey. Absolutely. And Jesus rode into wow, Jerusalem with the mm-hmm. donkey. Or donkey. As I say, yeah. Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> so, what are the other 28? There's, there's, t- I didn't write all of them down, but one, so we another one. expect those in any email. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't get <laughs> The, uh, the one, one of them, it's a little thing, but he was in a, caught in a thicket by his horns, mm. and what was on Jesus's head when he died right. was, yeah. right. the, th- was mm. the crown of thorns. Uh, we see, we talked about that last week, and I was thinking, you were thinking that somewhere up there, we were on the mount, right, where they were going to build the temple, and we don't know if it was... We don't know if this was closer to that or closer to Golgotha. Right. But I wonder, it said Abraham turned and looked. I wonder if one was near where the temple was and one, hmm. maybe the lamb, you know, or vice versa, mm-hmm. one was where the Golgotha was. Because mm-hmm. the, the lamb at the, at the cross. Mm-hmm. So the lamb caught. On yeah, the they're right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. could be, and we don't know for sure. Right, what that distance would be or... And uh, Isaac was um, bound to the wood, so Jesus was bound to the wood. Um, a lot of different things. I don't have. I, maybe there's not fifty or something. I may have exaggerated a little bit. <laughs> but but you can go through throughout, and there's so many more um, connections with it. And I think it's just such a beautiful connection of how God has substituted us. So we are the ones who are supposed to be the ones sacrificed to God and sacrificed for our sins, paying the penalty. But Jesus is essentially our ram, our our male sheep that covers all of our sins. Whether it's sin that we know or intentionally did, or whether it's sin that we didn't even know that we sinned. We haven't done yet. Exactly, yeah. He's... What about dissimilarities? Good question. What is that? No, I just found another one. What is it? Well, but they were both going to be pierced, one with a knife and one with a... Good point. So dissimilarities. He's good at this game. I know. <laughs> yeah. Christ is on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaac is about to get slain and God says, No, stop. Don't kill your son. So one one got one got stopped and one didn't get stopped. Mm-hmm. What's the significance of that? I think it is significant. Well, if if the, if Jesus hadn't been slain, then we would still be dead in our sins. So one had to go through for our salvation and the other one had to stop, I yeah. guess, so that God would not be uh, promoting child sacrifice. And and God chose Himself. He He Himself took the shot rather than, and a human sacrifice wouldn't be enough to fulfill Absolutely. God's wrath. But at the same time, like we can look at it, God chose Himself over anyone else. And I think that's crucial. Um, 
yeah, so so God God gave us this sacrifice that covered us once and for all, and, and there's no greater sacrifice than that. And um, it goes on, and I think we can get a couple more similarities and correlations as we go on. So verse 14, it says, So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, or Jehovah Jireh, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So as it is said to this day, Moses is the writer, so during Moses' time, it's still called that. Um, and then on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Um, I, I sometimes wish we could name places after like things God did. I don't know if that's weird, but I think it's cool um, that it, it stayed to that day. All right, verse 18, 15. It says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Um, so it says, An angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time. So it's most likely Jesus, God incarnate, saying to him. And uh, verse 16, it says, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son. So once again, because of God, his, his obedience, because of his fear of the Lord, because of his sacrifice of his son, it says... I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. And it goes on. Is that the first time that God has said this promise to Abraham? No, it's about six or seven. <laughs> Why does he keep repeating it? That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, we our memories are not perfect. They leak. We forget. It's what? That's why I have my God box. <laughs> I write stuff to, oh, I just okay. write things down and put it in there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good good practice to have. Um so yeah, God God is repeating this, talking about how um he'll bless you, he'll bless Abraham, he'll multiply his offspring through this one Isaac. Um and it says, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. So, but verse 16, it says that by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. So what effect did obedience have in Abraham's life? Blessing. Mm-hmm. And we don't know exactly what would have happened if he didn't obey, and I don't think it's healthy to necessarily speculate of that. But I do think that we can firmly say that when we obey God, God does bless us. It doesn't mean that he'll give us a Porsche and he'll give us this nice house or things like that. But We're walking in his will. Exactly, yeah. When we're, we're living in obedience, it's always the right way. And God will bless us. Even And sometimes blessing means going through a trial and he'll yeah. be with you in that trial but but when it's never wrong to obey God and I think that when we see the consequences of our actions whether it's obedience or disobedience I think it's very clear and that blessing blessing comes from obedience and consequences come from disobedience and, and do you think also that through our obedience 
we receive God's blessings, but also to others because of us. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because that's what he said to Abraham, mm -hmm. that through your obedience, mm -hmm. you know, not just you will be blessed, but others through you, mm -hmm. through your Absolutely. And, and I think it's in God's nature to want to use us. It's his plan of salvation. He says, go out into all the world because he wants us. He wants to use us, not to glorify us or anything like that. But he desires to use human beings to bless others. So I do think when we obey God, we're, we're going to be used by him, but for his glory, not for our gain or for our praise. But yeah, definitely. Well, if the goal is to make us more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? That's that's the idea is that we are to be conformed mm -hmm. to the likeness of Jesus. So I and I think it's so important what you said that blessings are not always pretty like I'm, to me blessings are not always pretty. Mm -hmm. I've had blessings happen. I've had answered a prayer that I mean people thought I was crazy when I said this is an answer to prayer. Mm -hmm. And it was like a disaster, but some it's not always it doesn't always look in the natural like something that is pleasant, mm -hmm. but it is an answer to prayer or it is a blessing because God is conforming us yeah. to the likeness of Jesus, mm -hmm. and ultimately that's what we want anyway, yeah. even yeah. if it don't feel so good. I just read an article uh, that Marvin Alasky did. I'm a little behind on my World Magazine. It was from November. Um, but nonetheless, it was the blessing of uh, difficulties, I think it was, or something like that. He went in and he commented on the exact same thing, um, that how prosperity doesn't necessarily, you know, and so on. But um, in, in light of what you were saying, I'm reminded of a sermon that Alan Redpath uh, gave and I wish I could say his in his voice. Um, I don't know. Is he English? What is he? He's British. Is he British? Yeah, okay. Definitely. I don't even know what the difference is, English or British. But <laughs> but anyway, he said um, he starts a sermon off by yelling um, <laughs> that God is looking for a man, and then he goes on and he talks about it. And and the point of the sermon, and it could be a woman too, but the the point of the sermon is that a man that he can trust mm -hmm. and a man that he can work through, um, and so. Here, I think this idea, like I, I was wondering, so if Abraham didn't do this, is the whole covenant thing out the window kind of thing? Or like what, what's going on there? And I think uh, the phrase reminded me of when God said to Solomon, because you have asked for uh, wisdom and not your enemy's head or whatever, I'm going to do this through you, mm -hmm. that God is looking through him for a man that he can work through. Yeah. And Abraham in his response and step of faith he found a guy that he can trust and work through mm -hmm. or maybe he forged a guy that mm -hmm. he could trust and work through and he right the first time he didn't i mean in the beginning mm -hmm. he didn't because he like went and did yeah you know he did it in his own will so but he it's like i always say like god resets the gps like if i go of course uh, he will still get me where he wants me to be <laughs> I could make it painful by not doing it, which I, you know, I did really without knowing it. But, um, but yeah, I think I think if it's in God's plan to get me where He wants me to be, mm -hmm. I'll get there. Did you ever see that movie, The Adjustment Bureau? Yeah. No, but I like the title. What's yeah, that about? Weird. 
Is it? It is peculiar, but as a believer, I watch it and I'm like, that's the Lord kind of thing. Get out. Oh, um, so it's a secular movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Matt Damon. Oh, um, okay. Who? The Fates. Oh. Yeah, with the guys with the hats yeah. and all that oh. kind of stuff. But anyway, the, I can picture in my mind there's there's a thing in the movie where there's like this map or something uh, oh. and you're, you're seeing all these lines and you know when the when the player tries to divert and go his own direction how these guys just sort of shut doors or put a bus in the way or put this oh. so that you get right back on track and end up where you're supposed to be or whatever and I think that speaks to what you're I saying. I think that sounds, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a fun yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Adjustment Bureau. Yeah, the, the, thing, the thing that uh, strikes me is um, Abraham throughout this chapter, I think he's learned those lessons, mm -hmm. right? Um, he's immediate when mm -hmm. yes. when God calls. Yes. Here I am, right? There's no delay in, in, in like, uh, is God talking to me? <laughs> like he's not questioning it. He knows the voice of the Lord now. And then on top of that, when he's asked to do even this hard thing about sacrificing his own son, he rises early in the morning. I think we talked a little bit about that last time. Mm -hmm. You know, just that, like, he was like, okay, I'm, let's, do, let's get this done. Um, so he just obeys and does. Yeah. So. And, and I think that God will never give us more than we can handle. So if Abraham got this test at the beginning, I can't say for certain, but I would imagine he might hesitate a little bit. But through all of the things that he's grown through, that he's, he's messed up and God yeah, yeah. picked him up again, he's God's merciful and gracious, but then it, it almost leads up to this point. So it's the next step in the phase of growth. Right. And I don't, I don't think God had the expectation that Abraham would fail. Mm -hmm. I think... I think more along the lines, it was probably a confirmation to Abraham as Absolutely. to where he's grown in the Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I—that was something I thought of earlier when that phrase, uh, you know, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided, mm -hmm. um, and it became a, an idiom to this day. Moses said there, mm -hmm. it be—it became a statement that people would declare when you needed God to show up. You know, and so I would say it to you to affirm your faith, encourage you in your faith. Hey, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided or whatever. And that is the lesson I think that Abraham really learned here mm -hmm. that he probably took with him for the rest of his days. Yeah. yeah. And passed on to other people and blessed other people through, yeah. like you said. Yeah. But sure. I think if we even look and, you know, we always, we always say, oh, God had to repeat it six, seven times because Abraham needed to hear it that many times. Okay, that may be true, but... It also says all things are written for our edification down the road. Mm -hmm. I think first for the Jews, they need to hear, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth should be blessed. And they obviously didn't hear it, mm -hmm. right? They didn't hear it the whole Old Testament time. They didn't hear it when Jesus showed up, right? But I think that it also applies to, to <coughs> us and, mm -hmm. and, and people that need to hear, oh, so this Jewish guy named Jesus died for my sins. Okay, that's what God told Abraham. Through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So, yes, I'm sure it's comforting to Abraham it's to know to that he has an heir. And a but it's, I think it's more important that this is the message throughout the entire Bible, is that God chose Abram and his seed to bring forth the Savior for the entire world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And even in our failings at right. times. So it wasn't like one promise... That, that God said to him when he first called him. God makes sure that he said it several times so you don't miss the point. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is the one. This is the family through which I'm going to bring forth the Savior. Yeah. 
one more thing. Yeah. And about selection and curses, if you go to Deuteronomy 28, right. you can read about that. Uh, the first fourth, uh, one through 14, tells about the cur the blessings, and uh, if you obey, and then it, then the last 15 through through 68 is the um, is the curses and um, and hold on to your stomach. Some of these curses are in the light of well, there, there are some there are some in there that are kind of gross though. I mean, I'm not, I'm shows the consequences are great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but yep. uh, 57, which I won't go into, is kind of disgusting. <laughs> Read that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, that's a great chapter, and I think that exemplifies what we're talking about, how there is blessings for obedience, <coughs> curse for disobedience. And I just want to share one or two verses from Mark 10. Um, Peter was complaining to Jesus about, oh, like, I've given up everything, I've given up my job, all these things like that. And uh, Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you, talking to Jesus. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children of land or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life and which is so interesting because it says like I'll give you all these things it's gonna come with persecutions but then you'll have an age of eternal life so Jesus even saying that we can sacrifice all we have and we can we can give up a lot for Jesus and we are called to live a life of sacrifice where it talked about in that in Romans 12 but at the same time our gain our gain will be so much more than we lose but it doesn't mean that gain will be perfect it says it'll come with persecutions but we can rest in the last sentence where it says that in the age to come an eternal life and that an eternal life in Christ when there is no persecution that that stuff is gone um, but I think that shows that that what we give up is nothing compared to what God can give and will give and promises to give um, and he will bless us and and I think we can take from that is we need to obey and we need to do that and and from that obedience, he'll bless us and he'll bless others. And there's no better thing than that as we honor God. Um, so in, in the midst of this blessing, it says uh, at the end of verse 17, it says, Your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Um, I, I just think of that, that um, analogy of saying, almost as Christians, we're not on the defensive, we're on the offensive. It doesn't mean that we're attacking people. But it means we're going for them. And that's why Jesus says, go out into all the world. Make disciples. Go, go, go. It doesn't say wait back and sit. Like, yes, we have to wait for Jesus and rest on Jesus. But we're called to be going and advancing his kingdom. Not necessarily defending the kingdom. Does that make sense, the difference of that? Coming from um, a place of victory. Yeah, absolutely. And we can go forth. We're not called to live in holy huddles. We're called to go out. Could that be in reference to also to the... Um when Israel you know, went into Canaan and conquered it? I, I think it could. I think it could reference that. It could reference Jesus going to the gates of hell and it couldn't prevail against him. It could reference, um, yeah, Mul a lot multi of Multi-meaning. Yeah, yeah, I think you can get a lot of analogies out of that. But, but I do think as Christians, we're called to go and to not sit. 
And then it says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And it's crazy that just this obedience of this one man, the entire nations and people in the future have been blessed from it. So um, what you're saying, how we can be blessed through others, absolutely. Um, so verse 19, it says, So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And then verse 20 through 24, it says, Now after these things it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father Buzz. of Aram. That's where they got Buzz Lightyear from. Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. <clears throat> Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Ruma, bore Teba, Geham, Tehash, and Maka. And that's a lot of names there. But I think the most uh, significant is uh, verse 23, where it says, Bethuel fathered Rebekah. And mm. who is Rebekah? Mm. It's like looking forward, but mm. does anyone know? Who did she marry? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Isaac, we just learned about. So. It's really a, um, I guess, a foreshadowing of what is to come and where this. And uh, Rebecca was, I think I got this right, was married the uncle of, or the brother of Abraham. So the granddaughter of Abraham. And then married Isaac. I think I got that right. I was trying to understand the family tree. There was a lot of intermarriage and stuff like that. So, but. But, uh, but yeah, so that's a foreshadowing of Isaac. Um, Rebecca was the one that they got from the well, right? Like they, <clears throat> um, she was the one who, who gave the water to the camels and yeah. Went, yeah. went above and beyond. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll learn about that in two weeks, probably. Get ready for it. That'll be fun. Um, so yeah, these people, and, and it's neat that these people are Abraham's family. It's not a perfect family. It's not a, uh, these were the set-apart, chosen so people. Far. Yeah, and, and if you look at the line of Jesus, there was prostitutes, there was yeah. murderers, there was all these right. people. And I'm very place. thankful for that because it shows yeah. that even in our failures, God still can use us and God can still forgive us through the, the ram, through Jesus Christ who, who, who took our sins upon himself so that we might be free so that we might be blessed with eternal life mm -hmm. um so even though it's just a few names i think it's it's so crucial to just remember that fact and remember um christ and, can and i that, suggest or introduce one thing absolutely um i read this i thought it was interesting immediately <laughs> after the sacrifice of isaac we are introduced to isaac's bride mm -hmm. which is rebecca Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we ah see mm -hmm. he gave me a grunt. <laughs> you want to tell them? No, no, you go. So, you know, immediately after the sacrifice of Christ, the his bride is born mm -hmm. or introduced, and that's one us. One of the thirty, forty, fifty. One of those 40. thirty or forty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought see. that was fun. The church being his bride. Yes. See. Correct. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors out there. So. Clarification. Yeah. Anyone have any comments or questions? Okay. Cool. I just saw this cool thing. Yeah. It was just like it kept catching my dr yeah. uh, drift. It says uh, on the bottom, Beersheba means well of seven or the oath. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's weird. Because <laughs> seven is like the number of God or something. I just, it does have yeah. significance. Yeah. It might not, but I don't know. <laughs> and, and the oath, I mean, God promised Abraham, so maybe something God promised Abraham in this area. So it could have some significance. Well, I think that goes back to uh, chapter 21 and the treaty with Abimelech. Correct. Um, yeah. It was seven ewe lambs. Mm -hmm. He paid for the wealth. Ah, ram you. Yes. I thought it was interesting. He goes back to Beersheba, which is where uh, Hagar lives. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, fled to. And then she went on down to the desert. And then she took off further? Desert of Paran. Or, yeah, she came okay. Yeah, that's where God, like, encountered oh, yeah, her. Right. right. But see, oh, if that would have been recorded, that was an interesting, that was an interesting discussion we had there. Oh, that day, you, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, is she sees... She flees with 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 Ishmael mm -hmm. into the desert. They're dying of thirst. She puts them under a bush to die, and then all of a sudden, God opens her eyes and she sees a fountain. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. And then it says the next couple verses, and Abraham dug a well there. Well, if there was a fountain, why did he dig a well? Mm -hmm. So I think Make that that bigger. was a spiritual thing that happened. Possibly another, like a lamb in a thicket. <coughs> Well, you know, rock breaking forth with water. That walk, that that rock was Christ, as we're told for the, mm. for the mm -hmm. Israelites. So, possibly another uh, another analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot to mine out. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, let's pray. We <laughs> Dear God, uh, uh, we thank you just uh, for this time and, and just to consider um, just this story and the, the relationship it has with um, what you did on the cross, Lord. And, and I pray that, I thank you that it did remind us of what you did for us and what you uh, gave up so that we might have life, what you did to substitute for us, Lord. But I pray that you would continue to just remind us of your love and your promises and your forgiveness uh, despite our failings throughout this week and throughout the rest of our lives, Lord. And, um, help us never lose the wonder of, of the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord. And, um, Lord, I, I pray that we would just take steps of obedience, Lord, just day in and day out, Lord, that even the little things, that we would be faithful and um, that we would uh, seek to honor you. And, uh, Lord, we do thank you for your grace and for just your blessing that you've given us when we don't deserve it. And uh, we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.